Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing St. Joseph. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Uh, as always, good to uh, be here and be able to talk to you and, and to our uh, gathering out there, however we might ever have. Um, but you're right. We're going to talk a little bit about St. Joseph. And, and one of the things that we find interesting about St. Joseph is that depending upon the ethnic background sometimes we, we come from will make a difference. One is to whether we celebrate the, the feast on the 19th, which is the, the feast day of St. Joseph. Of March. March. Of March. And then we have another feast day on May 1st. And whether you come from, for example, the uh, a Latino background or you come from a Italian background uh, will make a difference as to what your memories are or what you might have celebrated or how you might have celebrated it with a particular kind of food, uh, rituals, those kinds of things. Because St. Joseph is, is one of those saints that we have one that we virtually know nothing about whatsoever, but his position, the legends, the stories behind St. Joseph really do capture our imagination. And in many regards, when I say that, it's that it's in regard to St. Joseph, you know, it, it's just all sorts of things that are there, whether, you know, what his background was, how old he was, his family, um, all of those kinds of things. It just really sparks the creativity and the imaginations of peoples. Not to say that somehow, you know, people just simply told stories or lies or whatever. But these in many ways are, are you might say, theological myths. These are uh, background stories that that for whatever need, for whatever reason people needed to to somehow capture and relate to. But but really, uh, the stories and in various resources that I will mention in a little bit of time to come is that uh, historically they have no value whatsoever because it's not rooted in anything that we can verify, any factual information. It's really uh, rooted in the imagination and in the hearts of a lot of people. So depending upon uh, what a person's background is with St. Joseph is that will really make a difference as to whether, you know, even what I say you know, that, that a person can relate to. Some say, well, I never heard about that, or yeah, we celebrated that, or it really depends a lot on, on the background that we come from, which, I mean, really can be applied to so many different people that, that we honor within our religious tradition. You know, you think about, for example, the, the, um, the, the celebrations that we have concerning uh, St. Patrick, you know, just two days before we celebrate St. Joseph's. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, there probably are as many myths and stories about Pat, St. Patrick uh, as there are about St. Joseph, depending upon whether you were Irish or not or whatever background, whether you liked them or you didn't like mm -hmm. them. Uh, so much can be said about these people and, and there are some of them that really do capture the imagination of peoples 
in, in, in the best sense of that term. And as a result, we have, you know, celebrations and, and feasts and, and different ways in our church. And these are things that have really captured people over the long haul. I mean, we're talking centuries uh, that, that it just, that has that staying power, you might say, of being able to uh, continue to, uh, yeah, tap in those, the, those hearts of folks for generations and generations and generations. Joseph continues to be a, a name that is so often used by a lot of folks for, for their sons, or variations, Josephine, Josepha. I mean, there are just a lot of different variations. Uh, there are a lot of different churches, groups, um, uh, religious orders that are all named after after Josephine. Um, Joseph, <laughs> I should say, not Josephine. After Joseph. <laughs> And, and we're talking about this because the Pope declared it a year of St. Joseph. That is correct. He, de- he proclaimed the year of St. Joseph that starts, uh, that started, I should say, on December 8th of 2000, uh, to, uh, 2020 <laughs> yeah. and will end on December 8th of 2021. So it's, it's a full, full year. year. And, and there's a reason why, and, and we will also get to that. And so that's why uh, we wanted just to kind of pick out Joseph a bit and, and just talk a little bit about him and, and, and why it's made a difference. First, just a little bit of background. Um, like I said, pretty much we don't know anything, so that's all of the background. No, no. <laughs> the end yeah, of the yeah, podcast. Really. Um, <clears throat> the chief source or sources that we have in regard to Joseph that that can be in some ways historically verified because there are third parties, you might say, that that are able to connect that, are really Matthew and Luke. That's it. Um, the uh, It's the only, I would say, reliable sources that we have. There is a ton of what we would call apocryphal literature uh, that has many, many details. Apocryphal literature speaks about, you know, kind of filling in the blanks. It's not not lies or whatever, but again, it's that human imagination that we have that, that tries to fill in some of the story uh, of, 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 of different people. We have apocalyptic literature about virtually every one of the apostles, certainly of Mary. We have apocryphal literature. Um, right, apocryphal, ap- not apocryphal, apocalyptic. Not apocalyptic. <laughs> apocalyptic is about the end right. time. I think you said apocalyptic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we want to make sure it's apocryphal and not apocalyptic. Uh, But what it tries to do is to fill in the blanks in order to connect the story to human experience. And so, for example, uh, you have the Gospel of James, um, which tells about, you know, Joseph's background, uh, details about uh, who he was married to, how many children he may have had, when he got married, all of those kinds of things. You have the gospel that is called the Gospel of the Nativity of Mary. Again, apocryphal literature that, that tries to, to fill in some of the blanks, but it's, there's, historically it has no value. It's just there is no way that that anyone can can verify what is being said because and and some of this is I mean is just 
way out there uh, about what, what, they, what they talk about. You also have, uh, for example, what is called the pseudo-Matthew. And, and again, it's uh, somebody using Matthew's name, uh, the gospel writer's name, in order to somehow, you know, get a little notoriety. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so th- the sources that we really can only count on that have some reliability, not even the greatest, but some, are, are Matthew and Luke, and you know what they tell us about about Joseph, which is not much. No, only a few verses that talk about you know the uh, betrothal to Mary, that talk about you know on on the way to uh, Bethlehem in order to be register, uh, fleeing to Egypt, coming back, finding in the temple, and that's it. Well, and the angel coming to him in a dream. Well, yes. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, we don't have anything else. And, and after that scene where it says, you know, he went with the him, you know, his parents obediently uh, and grew in age and wisdom, that's door closed. We have no idea uh, what happened. And he doesn't say anything. No. Um, what's interesting with Joseph, too, is and one of the reasons that they believe that Joseph did die before uh, Jesus's death and resurrection um, is because uh, that scene at the cross where Jesus says, you know, a woman, here's your son, you know, here is your mother, is that uh, Joseph would have been the one that he would have been speaking to if Joseph sure. had been alive or able, in a sense, to be there. <coughs> so, oh, sorry. again, that's pretty much all we have. When it comes to the genealogy of Joseph, it says that, and, and there then there is the disagreement between the genealogies of of Matthew and of Luke, is that the genealogy basically says, and the genealogy is the family tree, um, that Joseph was the son of Jacob. Again, we have no idea to verify any of this, um, is that it was the idea for the genealogy was not necessarily accuracy. It was to connect Jesus to the Davidic line. Um, I mean, that, that was the point of it. We're the ones. We're the ones that that get caught up in the accuracy. That was simply not an issue with the folks at the time. It was to verify, or it was to somehow to connect Joseph uh, to the Davidic line because of the promise. You know, uh, a tree from the stump. You know, of Jesse. You know, this is where the Messiah will come from. All of those predictions. You had to. You had to make that connection. So the Joseph and the Jacob is not. Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> no, no, that Joseph was hundreds of years earlier. Okay. Um, although one of the sources that I talked about said that, you know, there are a number of connections of Joseph with Jesus and Mary to Joseph of the because of the way they describe him because of the way uh, they make some of the connections in light of what he was able to do. Um, so that, you know, they said that it, again, it can't be proven, but there is a real strong sense that they were trying to make some connections there also. Uh, the, the more you could connect with the ancestors, the more important you were. And, and it was that was that whole process then. So the genealogy that they do, is it Matthew or one of those, starts out with the whole genealogy of Jesus. Is that following Joseph's line, essentially, to there, 
well, in a sense, yeah, yes, in a Those sense, males. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. But one of them, you know, it's more. I believe it's Luke. Luke follows really more for Joseph's line. The focus is more the line of Joseph. Okay. In Matthew, the line is for Jesus. It's like you have a little bit of a, you might say, a starting point. So really, it should be Mary's line for Jesus, right? Well, actually, yeah, you have, you know, um, I mean, yeah, when, when you think about but but yes, <laughs> and yet no, because the idea was, is that with Joseph adopting Jesus, that made him his son. True. That that formed the line. That formed the bridge. Okay. Um, like in the Jewish faith, though, it follows the mother's line, so that yeah. would make a lot of sense. But remember who wrote the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> God always got to remember a few of those things. So anyway, we go with that thing. Then where did he live? Again, don't know. Uh, is that it is seen as that, you know, why, um, why did he come from, you know, uh, Nazareth or whatever. Again, sometimes it's to... I mean, Bethlehem but must have been his home at some point. Is that they figured that, yes, it was, because it was the city of David. Okay, so Bethlehem appears Tied to have... Bow. Yeah. It, it makes it nice and neat and tidy. <laughs> when you got several thousand years to do it, you mm. can work with that. Bethlehem appears to have been, you know, the actual birthplace, as far as we know, city of David. Um, there is... Evidence that that he eventually settled, you know, in Nazareth. Uh, why possibilities of that finding work? Nazareth would have been larger uh, if indeed he uh, he worked as a carpenter, um, or you know, in those trades. And it could have been carpentry. It could have been mechanics, as best we know. Uh, it could have been making coffins. It could, have, you know, those kinds of things. Is that that's what the carpenters did? Mm. Is that it may very well have been that he would have moved to a little larger area in order to to support his family. Uh, uh, that's the best guess in some ways that that you know some of the experts are able to make. Again, there is no hard evidence. Uh, there are legends that he moved around a bit, just no hard evidence. And so the best guess they can make is that he uh, settled there and in that area because it certainly would have been more advantageous in order to support his family than Bethlehem would have been. Which makes sense. Yeah, it just... Um, we have then, you know, moved from there in a sense of, okay, connectedness to Mary. This is where sometimes the, the legends get really, really wild <laughs> in the stories. Is that um, one st story, because, you know, the, you, the writers and the experts raise the issues is that, well, how did Mary know him? How did he know Mary? Um, it is believed that he was married before. Um, <clears throat> is that... You have, uh, you know, how long? Don't know. Some of the legends say he had uh, four to six children. Don't know. These are all legends. 
Um, so again, you have all sorts of apocryphal writings about Joseph and his marriages and or his marriage to one person, but 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 had gone by several different names. But see, this is the what the legends do. You know, someone says, uh, and I'm just pulling these out of the air. Like someone says, oh, it was Phoebe. Someone else says it was you know Judas. Someone else says it was. Don't know. It all depends on who was telling the story at the time. Um, he could have had several wives, as is proposed in one group of stories, or uh, one wife just... Not at the same time. Not though, at the right? same time. No, no, not at the same time. Um, it is, again, stories and legends say that he was anywhere from 50 to 90 when he met Mary. Now, lots of different reasons why they use that, that ages and such. But one of the stories, it's, you know, again, legends that, that are there, uh, because you oftentimes see images of Joseph with lilies. Okay? It's one of his, the major symbols. You know, if you see a, a, a picture basically in, and this is not uncommon, you see it in these major churches or in a stained glass window, you see a guy with lilies, that, that's Joseph. Why? It's because the legend goes that when Mary found herself with child, her family recognized she needed a husband because to be with child without obviously was against the law, could have been lethal for her. Legally, in a sense, she could have been stoned to death. And so what the family did was to put out a call in that whole area of Palestine and where they lived of every eligible man who could be married to this young woman. There's a way to do it, I guess. And a whole group of people showed up. Many, it was very common at that time to use walking sticks as you are walking different places. Is that... So all of these guys have, have now gathered to be possibly married to this young woman. And then what happens is that as Joseph approaches so that she could meet him, is that his walking staff burst into flowers. <laughs> it's, you know... Captures. I mean, Moses's walking stick turned into a snake. Yeah, so. I, you know, it's it's it captures again. It captures people's imagination, mm -hmm. and so you have lilies and such, which was a sign to Mary that this was the person. I'm pretty sure we have a statue in the church that of Joseph, and he has lilies. I'm sure. I'm sure it would. I, I mean, that would be. It would be rare that he would not, because most of them, that, that image has really been, you know. So they're like, who's this guy up there? <laughs> so anyway, now you have this all takes place, and you have now, you know, this person who is betrothed. They are betrothed. She is found to be with child, and he has to make an important decision. As you had referred to before, uh, there is the message by the angel saying, you know, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. And so then you you have, you know, 
kind of the rest of the story where he indeed takes her into his home and he protects them both from both the uh, the threat from Herod um, and in all of the other issues that you know that the story has so it's again most of this is just ways that you know we just can't we can't verify any we don't of know we don't know so now I think what what is captured in in a lot of this is the fact that the belief and and which goes to the heart of, of so many things the belief that this was a holy man this was a common man. He was nothing you would write about in the newspapers. Um, but this was a man who was connected to God in, in a very, you know, special way, which you know, would make sense, you know, obviously, in regard particularly to the stepson that he would have eventually. Um, but I think it, it, it speaks, you know, whether or not we can, you know, verify things. I think it, it, it's it's an opportunity to go beyond the the frills and, and all of this the external stuff, and to realize that really in many ways what they're saying this was a holy man, this was someone who who believed deeply. This was someone who was connected to God. This was someone who listened to God. This is someone who was kind. This is someone you might say you would want to teach your Savior what it means to be a decent human being. And, and sometimes we forget that, that when you think about Jesus himself, and, and, and I'm a firm believer in this, that when Jesus was growing up, Mary did not somehow take, you know, a big funnel, stick it in his ear, and dump in, you know, all of the, the divine stuff he was supposed to know. I really believe that Jesus, as fully human, had to grow up and learn what it meant to be kind, to be generous, to be compassionate, to be forgiving, to be loving. All of those qualities and things that, that, that we really know as to be part of Jesus' life and what he taught is that I am, I am more and more, uh, you know, more and more of the, of the uh, stance that says the people that he learned from, Mary and Joseph and so many others, these are the people that taught him. And, and he was able to make, you know, you might say connect the dots as he grew up. That this is what the father was to be about. But it didn't start, he, he was just as much in many ways a blank slate as, as anyone who was born as a blank slate. And so it's, it's those kinds of things that we begin to realize that though one can't necessarily, you know, uh, validate or, or, you know, historically prove things, there are some things that are obviously that come through in, in so many ways. <clears throat> As we know, when we talk about the uh, Joseph and the incarnation, <coughs> is that, uh, as I mentioned, Mary is with child. Uh, the message from the angel in Matthew, particularly, the flight to Egypt, um, and the birth and eventual, birth and eventual flight to Egypt, uh, eventually returning to Nazareth. Uh, and as I mentioned before, too, the last we hear of him is the temple scene, and that's in Luke chapter 2. Um, we have no idea when he died, how he died. Uh, the stories say, go from anywhere that he died when he was in his 50s to he died when he was 112. <laughs> Who knows? Some longevity yeah, there. Yeah, there is. Um, do we know? 
Don't know. Again, numbers like that speak to us because they speak of God's blessings, just as, you know, uh, saying, you know, Moses died when he was in the hundred or, or Noah died when he was a hundreds of years old, is that it speaks of the fact they were blessed by God. It's so interesting that they haven't found any sort of historical records that would tell you, because haven't they found historical records from that time and say, oh, yes, there's... They have, but the thing to remember is that depending upon when he died or whatever, remember, he was just another Jewish man. He was of no importance. And I would compare it to, if I became Pope, God forbid, if I became Pope, all of a sudden there would be this rash of, of, of inquiry about my mom and dad. My mom and dad were simple folks, Nobody, you know. Nobody would care about my mom and dad necessarily, except particularly family. Nobody would care, you know, who my mom or dad were. But if I became Pope, now all of a sudden they do. Sure. Now, without that, so you figure it is very possible that, let's say, you know, Jesus was 10 or so years old. If he died shortly after, he could have been buried for 20-some years be, not to mention even longer than that, when they finally came to realize who Jesus was, he could have been buried for decades. Mm-hmm. And so there wouldn't have been necessarily any records of all of that. But like a census, they go to Bethlehem for the census. True, true. Uh, again, you know, what I just like historical. Sure, yeah. And, and, and it's, those are good questions because it says, you know, what, what records were actually kept? You know, in True. Rome there, there were a lot of records kept, but were those records kept? Who knows? Was there you a know, fire? Who yeah, knows? When you think about the, the fact that when Rome came in and, and, you know, and wiped out Jerusalem and lots of different places like that, they didn't worry if there were records kept. <laughs> the important records were kept in Rome. Mm-hmm. or they were kept in a in a official building the important records which meant you had to be male and you had to have a you had to have a position of status so when they went in and, and wiped out Jerusalem and a few other places is that all of that could have easily been destroyed no one would have ever known and it's and it's not that that we may someday find some of these things could very well be I think as we become more and more sophisticated with that, but right now we just, you know, those those things have been lost sure. uh, for centuries, lost for centuries. <clears throat> the devotions, when it comes to St. Joseph, um, the first public recognition, you might say, of this man's sanctity, value, importance, role, you know, uh, really uh, didn't start until uh, sometime in the early 4th century. So 300 plus years after that there really began among the Coptics, um, northern Africa, that that area, that among the Coptic uh, groups, uh, rituals, where you begin to hear his name. Um, where you begin to to have groups talk about him and and reflect on him, um, 
in the West, uh, you know, you have the East and the West Church, Rome, basically. In the West, uh, his name doesn't show up until really almost uh, the mid-900s, uh, 9th and 10th century. What do you mean by show up? Uh, where it starts to show up in writings of, for example, like uh, St. Jerome, St. Augustine, uh, where you start to see writings that we have discovered or that had been kept that start to mention that, you know, Joseph was a holy man. Or you might begin to have a ritual, a prayer, or a litany where his name you know, would have sure. been mentioned. But this was after the Gospels of Luke and Matthew were written. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Long. that was already, like, established that, okay. They would have established that he was he was in the Scriptures, yeah. okay, but it was not established of his importance, the significance that he had. That really doesn't come through until, in some ways, oftentimes when you, you read the various um, uh, writings that, that, that the experts put, is they oftentimes will cite it was found in a litany for a mass, possibly, hmm. for a, a particular blessing, for a, uh, uh, in a, uh, a particular prayer written. But they oftentimes look for the, the names that are listed in, in litanies. That says you've kind of arrived. <laughs> okay? And depending upon what the litany would be used for, um, makes a difference as to how important you are. One of the things that we use all the time, if you look at the, um, um, the first Eucharistic prayer, that's, that's the much longer one, not the mm -hmm. oldest one, but it is the longer one. And in it, you have like, you know, saints, uh, uh, Chrysogonus, uh, you know, um, all of these, Cyprian, Lawrence, all of these names. Oftentimes when you find different saints, they will say, uh, name is mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer. Again, when your name is mentioned, and for what it's mentioned, is that speaks of how important you were. And so it wasn't until the late, uh, mid, 10th, 9th, and 10th centuries that you start to see his name show up, for example, in a blessing or in a, in a, in a litany of some sort. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it says that, you know, certainly in the Eastern traditions, they really kind of held on to it much earlier or, or embraced it much earlier in the Western, uh, not so much. <laughs> in fact, what is it that in his, his devotion to Joseph really didn't take off, for example, in the Western church, the Roman church, of which we are part, uh, until the 1200s. And that was in particular because different saints like St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Bridget of Sweden, and a few others, uh, they really got behind the support, you know, of, of Joseph. And then eventually, after saints like that got behind it, uh, there was eventually, he was given his own day in the Roman calendar, which was March 19th. Uh, but it wasn't until, I find intriguing, it wasn't until the 15th century. So now, you know, his name has begun to be mentioned, let's say, in the late 900s. It wasn't until 500 years later in the early 15th century now, 500 years later, that there was an actual feast established in the Roman church. 
Um, takes a long time to get things done. Yeah, it does. But it also, again, speaks of the fact that they didn't just get rid of him and drop him. <laughs> that, again, you might say it's that staying power of, of, of just of being connected to the imaginations, the hearts of, of people, the, the folks, you might say. Mm -hmm. um, yes, different saints got behind them, but it's really that, that support of the folks where so many, uh, you know, any number of these saints that, that we have. And the, for example, St. Christopher, you know, uh, he was kind of demoted. St. Blaise, you know, was, was demoted, you know, when they redid the calendar. But they are so much in the hearts of, of, of the folks. Mm -hmm. It's like, we can't get rid of these folks because if we do, we'll have a riot on our hands. You know, as even though we don't have a lot of info, the, the memory of the folks is there. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what they stand for, um, what, what they mean. And, and you know, uh, Joseph is one of those uh, whom it is said that if, uh, if you don't know who else to pray for, pray, for jo uh, pray to Joseph. You know, um, not well, sure the what... intercession of Joseph, right? Not to yes, Joseph. Yes, yes, intercession of St. Joseph. That is correct. Um, so in the, um, so eventually, March 19th, as I mentioned, was established, and that was in the late 1400s, early 1500s, when they finally established his day. But again, it wasn't until the 16th century now, a hundred more years later, that he was recognized, you might say, by the universal church. Hmm. Um, so it's it's um, so there's there is uh, even though there's historically not a lot there, there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there. As we had mentioned before, uh, Pope Francis declared this year to be a year of Saint Joseph, and this declaration was. Uh, May mar it marked, you might say, it marked the 150th anniversary um, of when Joseph was declared a patron of the church. So it was the anniversary when he was declared the patron of the church universal. And so hmm. marking this anniversary is that, uh, which I mentioned starts on Immaculate Conception to uh, 2020, and ends on the same date, 2021. Um, the declaration is is titled uh, Patris Corde, which means in English with a father's heart. What was the point? I mean, what what does what does Pope Francis hope to accomplish? And and a couple of things that that he hopes to accomplish from the materials that I have read and, and reflected on, it really speaks to how he is how Joseph is perceived and has been over the years. <clears throat> the, you might say it comes in the backdrop of the pandemic, which obviously we are in the midst of. And, and what it speaks of, this, this whole declaration speaks of, it speaks of the importance of everyday people. Um, that though you might be far from the limelight, though you may never have your name in headlines, though they never may write a book about you, though, you know, only those who were close to you might even remember you, is that uh, you can still make a difference. 
And you make a difference by bringing and embracing first the presence of God, bringing that presence to everything you do, and as a consequence, you know, uh, you might say changing the world through the grace and through the power of God. Joseph was that kind of person. He was some of the folks. From what we know and what we can imagine, he worked hard, probably loved deeply, was faithful, was kind. Like I said, you know, Mary could have received a death sentence. Is that somehow he would have been one of those people that you would want you would want to know in your life. You would want your children to know this kind of person. You would want in some ways your grandpa and grandma to be like this person. You would want to be able to say, you know, these are people that have lived in the neighborhood that that I have come to love and to know deeply, not because they're flashy or whatever, but because they're always there, they're faithful. It's, it's the small things, not because they did anything great. It's the small thing. They might have made a casserole. I think of, you know, even a couple of people that have been in the news lately, and um, not that that's why you do it, but someone who fixes snowblowers and gives them away. Someone who fixes bicycles, gives them to the kids of the neighborhood. Doesn't want to be paid for it. Um, doesn't want to be noted for it. He just wants to do it because he wants to be kind. That's the kind of person that Joseph would have been. I believe that he would have been one that would have fixed your doorknob. Why? Because he noticed it squeaked and he would have had some oil or something, you know, to put on it. That would have fixed your porch. Whatever. These are the kind of people that truly, truly make a difference. You know, we, we see sometimes so many people with flashy names and in, in, in uh, you know, the, the headlines or whatever, flashes in the pan, big hairy deal, you know. Joseph is one of the folks that you would have been honored. And when you thought about it over time, you would have recognized that was God's presence there in my life. Maybe he didn't know it at the time. Maybe he thought he was just an old frump that you, whatever. But you begin to recognize that was God's presence in my life at that time. Just maybe couldn't see it. The, um, <clears throat> so when you, you look at, at St. Joseph, like I said, in being able to capture the imagination, um, you know, was nothing special about him, you know, whereas Mary, in a sense, was a whole different character. He just was there, and I suspect he was there on a, in a, on a basis very consistently and very trustworthily. He was always there. Um, people have sometimes asked, you know, why there are two um, uh, feast days, because we have, you know, the uh, May 1st also is, a, is, a, is an important day when it comes to Joseph. Uh, he is the patron saint of the worker. Uh, there are lo- there's lots of even speculation on that. One that um, that feast day, it was he, he had his own on March nineteenth, his own day. Uh, but when he was declared as the patron of the Church Universal, is that there were those who felt that he deserved another day. <laughs> you know that in some ways he was so special that he deserved another day. Well, Mary gets like 
seven, eight. Yeah, so, she has sure. she has her own. <laughs> is that so? Eventually, but the other piece to that was, is that um, it is also seen in ways when this day was declared in the eighteen hundreds, is that it was also in direct um, contradiction to uh, the day of the worker in Red Square. That while you had the communist countries and such, is that this was to speak to that directly of St. Joseph the worker. Hmm. See, we always can and twi- pull things and make them religious. Y- yes. <laughs> yes, we can. I think that's one of the marvels of, of, of the Catholic tradition. Um, but it's also, you know, one of those things that, that speaks of the, um, the creativity, but also you might say flexibility isn't a word I'm really, but how when it's genuine and when you have someone, again, like Joseph, one of the folks, is that it can speak to those kinds of things, sometimes political and theological and such, that it can address a number of issues. And these days do address a number of issues topics, concerns that, that are taking place in our world today. Um, you know, part of it, even with the pandemic, Joseph would have been one of those peoples who would have helped no matter what, who would have, you know, been there because someone lost their job and, you know, whatever, is that he wouldn't have allowed necessarily, you know, when you think of this person, he wouldn't have allowed a pandemic necessarily to stop him from doing good things. And neither did Jesus, which True. is interesting. So Joseph is um, has a lot. There's a lot there. Uh, like I said, without being a lot there, there's a lot there, and it speaks of the depth of 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 just how again this man that we know so little about captures the hearts, the minds, the very souls of of the people of God. Very interesting. Lots of good information, I guess, about Joseph, sort of fictional, real, you know, you figure it out. Um, I think we're going to leave it there for today. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to get in contact with us, it's holyangelswb at gmail.com. Send us an email with your thoughts, ideas, whatever, and we will see you next time.